Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. My name's Catherine Carr, and this is season three of Relatively, the podcast all about potentially the longest relationships of your life. <laughs> I can't believe I'm sharing this. <laughs> I'll be bringing siblings together to talk about the connections they have as adults, as well as what it was like growing up together. This week we're talking to Dr Nagat Arif, who's a GP, but also the resident doctor on ITV and BBC, and her criminal barrister brother, Irfan. This is his first podcast. Can oh. you hear me? Say hello. Hello, how are you? I feel like she's bossing you around even now. And she always does. <laughs> I've changed the habit of a lifetime. But I'll also talk to them separately to get a more private take on the relationship. I was about five years old when my parents asked me to, when my mum said to me, you're going to have to look after him, he's your responsibility. Had it not been for her example, when we were growing up, I don't think I could have gone on, you know, um, I don't think I could have gone on to achieve the sort of things that I have now achieved. I'm his biggest fan and he knows that. Brothers and sisters are never straightforward. The family moved to the UK from Pakistan when Nagat was a little girl, allowing her to swap cotton fields for the classroom. Their father's an imam, the longest serving in the country, in fact. A passionate believer in education, she and her equally accomplished brother talk about leaving home, making a new one, dodgy careers advice, sibling respect, the Spice Girls and Tintin. But we really set the tone in this episode by describing their roles in the family before hearing the story of their flight to Heathrow one rainy April. I'm big sister, mum, dad, friend, all rolled into one. I'm the eldest of five and that comes with a lot of responsibility. And that is part of being an immigrant family that first came to this alien country many, many years ago. She is um, your typical older sibling in the family. She has been very much the third parent for us, for the younger siblings. Um, she set the standards from a young age in terms of you know what to achieve and how to achieve it. And I often say this to her, that um, had it not been for her example, when we were growing up, I don't think I could have gone on to achieve the sort of things that I have now achieved. So if Nagat is the archetypal older sister, um, what role do you play in the family? Are you the responsible one, the party planner, the serious admin guy? What's your particular groove? I think uh, I'm probably the mediator in the family. Oh. Um, I'm probably the person who you can have a serious conversation with. I asked um, Irfan to describe um, what his role is in the family and I wonder if you could um, imagine what he might have said, Nagat. Um, 
the Joker of the pack. No, he's not. He's not. <laughs> yeah, I wish I was. Yeah. Uh, he's just the most sensible one. That's the only way I can put it. Is that what you said? You were most sensible. Yeah, I said I'd... You're like I'd, the dad. I'm not, I'm not really like my dad. kids come to you. I like to think that I'd be the most responsible, like, you know. Yeah. And and this is this might sound morbid, but it's not really morbid. It's I've often thought that, God forbid, if something happens to me and my husband, then Irfan would be the guardian of my kids. Like that's, that's oh, really that's very nice of you. I didn't you knew that though. Did I? Yeah, oh, okay. you did. <laughs> Do you have any nicknames for your brother? No, but they have nicknames for me. <laughs> What's the <laughs> nickname like they them. got for you? Go on then. So I'm not called Nagat in the house. I'm called Baji. Baji is uh, a word that means sister, which is a term of respect in our language, which means dear sister. If you're older, you never call them by name. So Imran calls Irfan by John okay. and so forth. My sister, my oldest sister, Nigat, is the only one that gets away with calling me Irfan. Irfan, many, many years ago, shortened that to barge, which makes me feel like a massive ship. <laughs> it's <laughs> like not, a barge coming down. Yeah, it's like a wide load, really. Yeah, a wide load. <laughs> <laughs> then, as a term of endearment, because I am, I won't deny this, I'm a strict sister. <laughs> when it comes to education and achievement, I am very strict. So that's why I said very early on, I'm the mum and the dad and everything rolled into one. <laughs> he then started calling me Pops. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I can't believe I'm sharing this. <laughs> oh, I don't, it's not, I don't really call you Pops. Imran really calls you Pops. Yeah, yeah. then you started to calling yeah, me Pops. Yeah, then I, but I did How many it, times I would do it just to annoy you then. I would do it just to annoy you. But yeah, I, but, but, but my, my thing has always been very respectful. I always call you Baji. Baj, you know, when we're having a laugh and a joke, but it's normally Baj. Yeah. So I'm known as Baj, a wide load, <laughs> and Pops, which is basically, yeah, manly man of the house. <laughs> so tell me, um, how old were you um, when you came and where did you come from? I was nine years old and we came from Pakistan. We're subsidy farmers back in Pakistan. My grandparents grew mangoes and sugar canes and we would sort of swim in the little canals that we used to have. A lot of the time... I would have to accompany my mother to the fields and she would pick cotton. So my earliest memory of my brother, Irfan, is when she asked me to look after him in said fields while she was doing her work. And I was sort of big sister role, so going, I will look after him and make sure that basically he survives the day. You must have been titchy. <laughs> I was about five years old when my parents asked me to, when my mum said to me, you're going to have to look after him, he's your responsibility. Oh, and as a mum now, does that make you sort of come up a bit short and think wow yeah I think the kids these days uh, I feel like an old person saying this now <laughs> children these days have it so easy <laughs> my son my eldest is 11 and I still sort of think many many times and before I have to leave him irresponsible of his siblings I mean he's brilliant he's a very sensible 11 year old but I've got a seven year old and a three year old and I have to sort of say to him is this something that he is capable of he's great at just looking after them but yeah those days it was a whole other kettle of fish <laughs> and so what about your childhood there describe it a little bit more you're on a farm there's cotton what else was it like I just remember being absolutely free to do what I wanted I had my grandparents house so my dad's family and then also my mum's family and they lived in the same village and a lot of these buildings were mud hut buildings, so it's called 38 Fateh uh, in the Punjab area. We speak Punjabi fluently still now at home. It was lovely being able to have all these groups of cousins who were just also my best friend as well. 
And then I remember my father, so my father's an imam, he left Pakistan once he got his master's in religious education to lead the Muslim community in Buckinghamshire and Chesham because there was no imam here at the time. And then my father would come back to Pakistan and visit, you know, um, you know, once a year for about a month each time. And over the successive years, I and my younger brother Imran were born. <laughs> and he was just this mythical figure in my life. I never really got to know him until I moved to the UK. And then gradually I got to know him as, oh, this is my father. So my mother then had to leave her siblings and her nieces and nephews and her parents, not knowing whether she would go back or she would return or at what time, when. But she was effectively moving here with a husband who was still relatively a stranger to her. And my father <laughs> said to my mum, we're going to England and it's... Uh, my mother had thought that this was going to be springtime. So he said to her, it's a beautiful country full of greenery. You'll love it there. It's absolutely amazing. So she just thought, fabulous. We're going in April. It's going to be gorgeous weather. So she dressed us all in summery clothes. And I remember having this pink summery dress on uh, with flip-flops. And we arrived at Heathrow, and I can't tell you that it was biblical rain. It was pouring it down. I think there was a miniature flood at some point. That's how it was. My mother's got my me, my other brother, Irfan, and then she's got a cradling, my third sibling, Imran. And she just was, you know, aghast by, by my dad. She said, I, she, I just remember her being very, very annoyed that this was how much rain there was. She talked about the journey from Pakistan to um, Chesham when you all moved over to join your dad. I wonder, I mean, you were very, very little, but I wonder if you have any snatched memories of either the journey or early days here, please. I think I was about three years old, three and a half when we came here. But I do remember asking my mum, when we came over from Pakistan, did we sort of stop off at a hotel? Because I remember we were there was a flight and then we came off the flight and I just have this vague memory of being a really young boy walking down some plain stairs because it wasn't, you know, you had to actually walk on the tarmac to get to the plane. Mm. And then having, having breakfast in sort of some kind of weird environment, you know, at that time to me. And she confirmed to me that we did catch a flight from from Multan, and we stayed overnight in Karachi and then got a flight from there to Heathrow. And she was really surprised that I was able to remember that. That is amazing. Now then, um, how did how did your life change then? If you were nine-year-old Nagat, you were, you know, roaming free with a gaggle of cousins and swimming in irrigation ditches and um, eating mangoes or whatever. And then you arrive, what, in the home counties in England? How did your life change? Well, firstly, it just rained. Like, this country <laughs> is not friendly with the weather. <laughs> but I didn't care. Oh, my goodness. It was just this amazing adventure that we had gone on. And I had my siblings with me. But it was just more the fact that that I would be sent to school was a thing that really sort of made me so happy. Back in Pakistan, traditionally, girls aren't sent to school. Unfortunately, that is still the case in some village areas at the moment. My mother often tells me how my male cousins would go off to school and for hours and hours and hours I would cry and lament the fact that I've been left behind. So she tried to think about how we could move to the city, but then that also became slightly problematic because of safety issues about sending girls to school in the city. And so the fact that I could come to the UK and there's a sense of safety and freedom meant 
that my father was willing and happy and encouraging me and my mum to go to school was just this immense liberation and when I got into school the teachers were so kind and they were willing to teach me this new language and as long as I nodded my head and I learned the word yes oh, uh, very quickly <laughs> <laughs> and uh, um, the children in the class who also speak Punjabi as well they were really keen to teach me uh, the language dare I say it was mostly swear words that I learned first <laughs> Nothing changes. Nothing, Nothing changes. changes, honestly. And then I was like, okay, I can't say these words because the teachers would be horrified that I've learned that. <laughs> Presumably by the time you started school and followed in Nagat's footsteps, that was all quite sort of normal for you. You didn't have to do that transition that she did from not going to school and crying about it to going to school and being overjoyed. It was just quite a smooth passage yeah, for you. Yeah, I mean, the kids are very resilient. You know, in the in the early years, they, they, they tend to go with the flow. <laughs> I wasn't coming with this baggage of, you know, memories from Pakistan that my sister was. Um, you know, for me, it was as if my life had started in the UK. Um, and that's all, you know, I remembered. So your mum, like, despite um, being slightly misled, perhaps, about the weather in this country, given that she was keen for you to learn, it sounds like in terms of opportunities for her female child, that she won overall bringing you here. Yeah, she was. She was really... Uh, I actually reflect back and I think that there was... There's two sides of my mother. She was incredibly lonely when she came here. And before she left Pakistan, she recorded all her siblings and her parents' voices on a tape recorder. Oh. And she would listen to their stories and we would hear their vo we would hear the voices of our uncles and our aunts and our you know nana and our nani and our grandparents and that was our link back to home but I was getting on with my life in the UK and learning English and getting to know my friends here but uh, now older Nagat at this age reflects back on that because I do remember her playing the recordings over and over and over again because it was a good four or five years before she went back to Pakistan once we came here. So she was incredibly homesick, and now I recognise that. But also she was really excited that her children were learning something and getting an education, and this was for free. In Pakistan, you'd have to pay for an education, so she was getting her children were thriving. And it meant that slowly, over time, unfortunately, inevitably, this gap appeared between us not understanding the culture here, not knowing the language, not being able to have the freedoms that you would associate with when you are a self-sufficient, independent person. Mm. She was utterly, you know, dependent entirely on my father. And my father's role was quite demanding. And he was out for the home quite a lot, uh, being a leader in his own community. Mm. And so my mother... I, I, I imagine with us kids for the first five years must have been incredibly lonely. And I can only recognise that now and see that. You know, which is why we sort of like now do whatever we can to make sure that we're around my mother quite a lot. Yeah. You know, she she, she, she kind of made all those sacrifices in the early years. Yeah. I mean, imagining um, sort of 18, 19, 20, 24 year old, your mum, what a selfless woman to yeah, see that her yeah. children would benefit so hugely from something which yeah, was so yeah. difficult for her. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, she could have dug her heels in. She could have mm -hmm. said, no, I'm not I'm not leaving my family here in Pakistan. And, you know, why do I want to go to some unknown country where I don't know anybody, don't know anything? Um, and I'm comfortable where I am. 
Um, you know, she, she had a very good life there. She, she was supported by all of her family and she came from a very large family, six brothers, six sisters. Um, Where she you know, had a village to raise a child, yeah, literally. Yeah, <laughs> all exactly. that, all yeah, that support. She had all, and, and so all of that support gone overnight where she's single-handedly then raising three children, effectively. There was a gap between the Western ideology and also what she had grown up um, from Pakistan and the way that girls should behave. And sort of finding that middle ground has been choppy at times. But I think we do pretty well. She's very understanding. But the concept at the time was, was that the idea is, is for the girls is to just get to the point where they're 17, 18 or 19 Education wasn't the priority, it was the idea was that we'll get them married off. We live in a culture in, in, in the UK, in some communities, and I'm part of that community, where the parents have this innate feeling, and it's a cultural feeling more than anything, is that you get your girls married off early because that's your farz. Farz is translated as responsibility. So the idea is my parents would have this responsibility hanging over them saying, well, we need to get Nagat married off as soon as possible. Whereas I was very much acutely aware that now I know the words, it's this patriarchy and misogyny. I want to get away from this. And the quickest way to get away from this was to get into education. Okay. So then when did the idea dawn on you? You know what? Um, not only am I going to come over here, learn English, settle in, integrate, bridge the gap between my siblings and this world as an English primary, middle and secondary school in my home life and my mum as an imam's wife's world. But also I'm going to aim really high. I'm going to be a doctor. <laughs> when did that happen? Oh, I'll tell you a really funny story. So um, I learned English first in the family and I was the eldest one. So I would have to translate at parents evening for my parents. Mrs. Pritchard, God rest her soul, she's no longer with us. Um, she said to my parents, oh, I don't think Nagat is going to do very well at all. Mm. She came too late in this country. She hasn't caught up with the rest of the children in regards to her level of education that we'd expect for a 12-year-old. And it would be better off if you got her integrated into your community and then do the things that you do, uh, which is you know, harking back to, she knew very much that in the Asian culture, the community, because she'd seen this with multiple girls that she teach she taught mm -hmm. throughout her years that they would be taken out of education at 17 and married off and I had to translate that word by word <laughs> to my I was going to say was the temptation not to be like Mrs Pritchard says I'm says excellent I'm amazing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. I'm going to be the prime minister of my dad <laughs> well you could be this week let's be oh, honest God, you could yeah, step right so I'm sure the call is coming this afternoon <laughs> yeah so God crazy times but I I and but I'm such an honest individual, and so I happily translated that oh, to my poor parents. You. <laughs> and my father then cajoled me in the car later on, saying, "Oh, don't worry, we'll still marry you off." And and that sort of instilled this anger and annoyance, going, "But don't write me off! Don't write me off! I'm I'm twelve, thirteen years old. Just don't do that just yet." This season of Relatively is sponsored by Find My Past, the online home of the 1921 census. By 1921, people from all over the world had begun arriving in Britain to start new lives. People like the remarkable Dr. Harold Moody. Jamaican-born Dr. Moody graduated top of his class studying medicine at King's College London and set up a practice working from home after struggling to find a job. Perhaps there's an inspiring story in your past. Find out in the 1921 census, exclusively available online at findmypast.co.uk. 
millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Can you remember any, maybe this is back to the farm in Pakistan or maybe it's back to the early days in Chesham, I don't know, but maybe music or, or food or some sort of tethering thing that would remind you of family life? The thing that me and Afan bonded over, get this, was Tintin. You know the Tintin comic books? Yes. <laughs> oh my goodness, we loved Tintin comic books and then Asterix afterwards. <laughs> So when we were younger, we would share the Tintin books together because we'd go to the library. We had our one visit on a Saturday. Our mum would take us um, because she'd learnt the route to the surgery, which was on the way to the library. So she'd realised that that's a route that she could do because she couldn't read like any names of streets and stuff. And so when I learnt to read, gradually my brother learnt to read. I remember getting into Tintin, Snowy the Dog and Captain Haddock and you know, Calculus, Professor Calculus and all that kind of stuff. I, I remember getting into those books quite early on and as a way to improve my English, but with pictures. And actually for his birthday, when I think he was when he was 30, we got the complete set of Tintin books for him. And I guarantee you, he's not opened one of them. But... <laughs> he's too busy being a criminal barrister. Yeah, he's too busy. But that was our childhood thing that we bonded over. And um, which I've still got a full set of, by the way. Um, because, um, you know, every now and again when I want to take a trip down memory lane, I do like reading those. And then the other thing that we really bonded over music-wise, and he'll hate me saying this, was the Spice Girls. (laughs) (laughs) The criminal barrister, he used to love the Spice Girls. (laughs) Any particular Spice Girl in particular? Did he identify more with scary, sporty, ginger? Oh, goodness, let me have a think. (laughs) I think every guy liked ginger. Come on, she's hot. (laughs) No, I, I just I just remember Ginger Spice being the more outrageous one. Oh yeah, of course you do. Um, That's you know, what you she, remember. She, she her was on the front of the Sun newspapers and things like that, which one of my teachers actually used to read quite a lot. And when I was at the middle school, oh yeah, yeah, Mr. Wallen used to have yeah, that. Yeah, I remember that. Um, but no, I, I, I was actually always quite fond of Baby Spice. Oh, oh yeah. Emma Bunton, yeah. and do you know what? I've met her. She's a delight. Yeah, she was this. I mean, yeah, I feel like she would be the best friend out of them the others might be better for a good night out but i feel like she'd be the best friend i don't know anyway spice girl psychology is not what we're here for you say older nagat looks back at younger nagat and you must look back now and think flipping egg you know you've already come from a farm somewhere in pakistan which is you know idyllic and beautiful but very different to coming into the education system here learnt the language assimilated and then set your sights high and then put your flipping head down nose to the grindstone all the other expressions and and done it you must sometimes think where did that resilience and that determination come from 
the resilience came into the fact that I will make the best of what I've been given here in the UK. And the other bit of the resilience came from the fact that I come from a community and a culture which unfortunately still persists. Though we have a lot of misogyny and patriarchy and the way to get rid of the shackles of that was to make sure that I got an education. Education was my freedom. It was my freedom to sort of kick back at that a little bit. There's a rebellious part of me. Mm. There's also the idea that I want to be independent. Wherever I go, I'm known as the imam's daughter before I'm known as anything else. Mm. I don't mind that. I, I adore that. I adore my father's work and his, his leadership and his spirituality. And we're very, very close. But I wanted to be some, an individual in my own right and to get a title which goes beyond my gender so when you're a doctor you're not a male or female you're just a doctor and that's how I felt when I was at the Misborn school we did a careers fair at 14 15 so I went to the careers teacher and said what career can I do that will mean I'm in the longest time in education so my parents don't feel pressured by fuzz to get me out the house (laughs) And um, also, I've got a good excuse to say, but I'm having an education. <laughs> and he looked at it and did this algorithm and he said, Nigat, you'll make an amazing undertaker. Oh, what? So- <laughs> Like, what? what did you say on the questionnaire? I must have said wanted to help people and I was interested in fashion because I was interested in fashion. So, you know, dressing up dead bodies oh, is perfect, God. isn't it? <laughs> and so he, and he then sort of sat me down and said, on a serious note, though, you don't go to a grammar school. You come very late in this country. The idea that you're going to be able to go to a medical school because medical school is this prestigious it still is Mm. so he was sort of really setting this the tone that this is so unachievable let's set the bar really low young lady because your hopes will be dashed but for me to being told I can't do something was the impotence to say okay the challenge is on Mm. I've got GCSEs and A levels I'm going to prove you wrong and I'm going to hazard a guess here, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that I'm about to talk to your brother, the criminal barrister, that there's a little bit of um, familial resemblance in Irfan. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just taking a guess there. Yeah, and we're such great supporters of each other. Um, he's been, I'm his biggest fan and he knows that. We looked at her as the example and she, you know, she didn't let the family down. You know, I can only imagine now what burden must have been on her young shoulders. Um, that sense of responsibility that she must have had um, as a young sort of five, six-year-old moving to this country, integrating into the local schools and then sort of realising from a young age, being very focused, very determined, that if, if she did not set us a good example, then, you know, maybe that would affect um, how we progressed. I think that when you're doing it and you're in the midst of it, you don't realise that you're, you are having to be the grown-up. And we, we grew up really fast, didn't we, Ethel? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. remember you growing up incredibly fast because you were the, the first boy. So my father would take him to the mosque and he was the, you know, the old, older son and having to take those responsibilities. But I don't begrudge any of that because I think that's what put us in great stead for our careers later on in life. And we are very much this... I feel like I'm same as I was at university or A-level, probably far more settled now and secure, but I'm the same person, if that makes sense. What about you, Afan? What do you think? Um, uh, yeah, I think, I think fundamentally at our core we're the same people. Yeah. And, but, but I think really, you know, the way that our lives have panned out, 
I think that we've got a certain inner strength. Would you agree with that? Yeah. I, I think that we, we we're a lot more resilient than most kids or our age. I think when we were growing up. Now that I can see it in sort of young kids that I represent, I can see that they simply just have floated through life, and they have been tested by the realities of life, such as in the ways that we were. Um, and now we're at a stage where we're, I think, a lot more comfortable in our position. And I think that we, as siblings, all five of us actually, we are really close to. Like tomorrow, it's going to be Eid, yeah. and all of us are going to be together. We speak to each other daily on our WhatsApp group. Uh, it could be like sending each other stupid things like memes, but whatever <laughs> we we think we we share things constantly, and we do see each other on a weekly basis, despite our really busy family. I don't know whether Afan told you we literally live walking distance from each other, all of us siblings all of still, you. all of yeah. us, because there's only us as a family here in the UK. All our cousins, grand well, our grandparents are no longer with us anymore, but everybody is in Pakistan still. That is amazing. You, I mean, in a way, um, it's not it's not lucky for your parents. It's kind of they're reaping what they sowed. Yeah. Would well, you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, um, they, they, but 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 I also think it's because we ourselves feel a sense of responsibility to them, mm. and I think that they've instilled that within us when we were growing up. And, you know, we appreciate the sacrifices that they've made over the years. And so we want to now be around for them. It's like, um, you know, I often think of it sometimes. I was talking to my dad about this and I said to him often, you know, it's it's like you ran a business for 25, 30 years and now you're sitting back and the business is paying you back. Yeah. You know, um, you know, like now you get to relax and you're in your early 60s. Mum's in her mid 50s to late 50s. And, you know, for the next 20, 30 years, hopefully you guys are around and you guys can now just sit back and relax. Yeah. And they put up the grandkids. Yeah. Because Afan's got a daughter, I've got three, Imran's got two children, so... They can't relax that much then. No, no, but my mum is so great, and because all of us are so close to each other, like, we... Babysitting is a shared... They always say, you know, a village... Takes a village to raise a child. Yeah, takes a village to raise a child, and that's sort of what we have become in our own little close-knit circles with our kids now. It, it's almost like they're living each, in each other's pockets, but very independently at the same time. Okay. Yeah. And finally, I wonder if you can remember, I asked this question of everybody, and I haven't, because of the sort of slightly different way that your family worked, with you guys being better at English and translating at parents' evening and sort of having that sort of, not authority, but that position, often I ask about funny rules that parents had in the house, and I'm sure your parents must have had them. I wonder if you can remember any particular rules that maybe at the time seemed serious but now are like what's that about that your parents um, put in place there was well did we oh, we couldn't go to the cinema i remember that mm. yeah going to the cinema because just because our parents just didn't see the need for it and didn't understand that that was a thing to do so i don't remember going to the cinema. eating out do you remember we never, we used, never to, used to yeah i remember the first time that we got a takeout was when you passed your gcse's yeah that was the first time and that and was that when was... dad was like okay let's go let's have a kfc or whatever <laughs> that's when we went and got a chicken bucket <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and that was the first time we had a takeout and my, i just add i got nine a's yeah yeah you did really well that's why and, and that merited and the takeout <laughs> getting an a star and nine a's merited yeah. a takeout yeah. from the local kfc can you yeah. believe that and so the first time I ever went out to eat was McDonald's and I was 18 at university and I had to get help 
get my friends to help me to order a Mackie D's. Can you believe that? Because we just would never go out. My parents just thought it was no, so... they said home-cooked food. Home-cooked food yeah. was... They still say the same exact. Yeah. Home-cooked food is the best. It's unnecessary. It's unhealthy. It's a waste of money, which completely, you know, now, as a mum, I agree with, because we rarely... I rarely take my kids out or eat. And the other rule that they had was that we could never go to sleepovers. And I agree yeah. with that now. Yeah. We, we never went to our friends. And that, I think, was the difference between us and our white friends. Because when we were at the Misborn together, me and Erfan, we were the only, I would say, we were the only Asian brown we were the, yeah. kids, weren't we? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And everybody else was white. And so they'd be like, come over for a you know, sleepover or we're going to go to this party. So we never, my parents just said no. But weirdly enough, I don't ever remember being upset by that. I was actually quite grateful that I didn't have to go to sleepovers. <laughs> so movies, takeouts, sleepovers. What else didn't they like us doing? Um, that was it, really. Oh, we had to go to every wedding. Oh, do you remember? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so Catherine, every summer is like wedding season for yeah. Pakistani families. We would have to go to all the weddings with all the aunties and weddings last three days. And I remember that used to be so annoying, so problematic. Although the food was was banging, was brilliant, wasn't it? The food, mm, was, the food always, was really good. Food was always good. So, yeah, having to make sure that we come to all the cultural events and religious events was something that my parents said, you must keep doing. And I think that was their drive to keep us connected with our own culture as much as possible because they knew that we were getting the Western culture from school. So that was their way of keeping us connected to them. And it worked. And it worked, it has. And and now we have the best of both worlds. We're, we're privileged and indulged and very, very lucky and we know it. Thank you to Irfan and Nagat who gets the final word. I think that the idea that education, which is given to us for free, I can't, like I keep coming back to this, even with my children now, is such a privilege that, we as I my sort of goal was to say to all my siblings you have to hold on to this and grapple it so my brother Irfan is a criminal barrister my brother Imran so the other baby that my mum had in her arm when she came to Heathrow airport that many years ago is now a chartered accountant and works for Heathrow my sister Saba is a dentist um, and my youngest brother Ali is a pediatric nurse working at Addenbrooke's hospital and has worked throughout the pandemic um, looking after six children oh so the fact that we are literally the migrant dream <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I don't I'm not embarrassed about that mm-hmm. and I feel very British but I also feel very Pakistani but I feel very very grateful for where I've been able to come and land my roots and the gifts that I've been given are so precious so if there's one way that we can give back being that migrant family to our communities uh, is by making sure that we have vocational roles that means that we can give back freely. The very last episode of this season is with Tom Ward and his sister Charlie next week. Thank you very much for listening. If you've enjoyed the season, please do rate, review, subscribe or share it with a brother or sister. Thank you to Tanita Tickerham for letting us use her amazing song. This is a pocket production and sound design is by Nick Carter at mixsonics.com. 
I'd also like to say a huge thank you to our sponsors for this season of Relatively, Find My Past, for digging into their extraordinary records and uncovering the surprising and often revelatory family stories. Find My Past is the only place online where you can access the 1921 census. So if you want to start your family tree or add colour to what you know already, then findmypast.co.uk is the place to do it. of love and hate Stand by the fireside Now the rain may fall Your father's calling you You still feel safe inside Although your mom's too proud Your brother's ignoring you You still feel safe inside Oh, was it solo? Was it yesterday? Was it true for you? Cause while all the rest Have taken time It's didn't What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 